Good morning, church. We're going to be reading from Proverbs 15, 1 to 17. Please stand for the reading of the word. It's Proverbs, Proverbs 15, 1 to 17. Proverbs chapter 15, 1 to 17. When you get there, say amen. amen. Proverbs 15, 1 to 17. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord, how much more than the hearts of the children of men. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go out unto the wise. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Please and turn to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 18. And if you could also, if you could really do me a favor, and I, I believe it would really help you as you try your best to listen, is if you could open up your bulletin to page 9, because here are the Scriptures. We're going to read them in just a moment of our message today, Healing the Wounded Spirit. Healing the Wounded Spirit. Healing the Broken Heart. So, a couple weeks ago I was driving to church and I was on Houston coming across town and I noticed this car in front of me, it had a few bumper stickers that I agreed with and I said, oh, look at that, a conservative in New York City, you know. And then I realized it was the Style Cups car. <laughs> and so, th- so then I, I like got to the light and I, I passed him. And I-, I was trying to get his attention. I honked the horn. I was like, hey, how's it going? And they were not paying any attention. You know why? They were singing in the car. They were singing, just praising God in, in their vehicle. 
And so I passed them while they were just singing away. So they do love to sing for the Lord. I just wanted to give that as a testimony that their singing today just comes out of their singing unto the Lord. So we've been doing this series in Proverbs, and we started in chapter 1 and went clear through chapter 9, verse by verse, because chapters 1 through 9, there are long units of thought. So we dealt with those in an expository way. But now, in chapter 10, we come up to the sentence Proverbs. So basically what we're going to do now for the next few weeks, as God leads is just deal with some of the the main themes and subjects in the book of Proverbs. So we're not going to be looking at just one scripture, but because these scriptures are spread about. These are called the sentence Proverbs. So as we begin the message today, I'd like for us to read the Proverbs that the message will be on. And three of them were from the scripture read in chapter 15. And we read that from verses 1 through 17. But here are the the scriptures, and the first three are put here in order as the the foundation of the message of healing the wounded spirit. And see if you, as we read these verses, if you could find find the part of the verse that deals with a wounded or broken heart. And then the others also relate as well. So let's just read this, the verses with the scripture reference and then the verse all together. We'll read it out loud. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? Proverbs 15:13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Proverbs 12:25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Proverbs 13:12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 15:4. Wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Proverbs 15:15. 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. So if you see those first three verses, we're really getting the theme and title from these first three verses that have the same Hebrew word. It's translated wounded. It's translated broken. And the message here is healing the wounded spirit. Because Proverbs 18.14 says, A wounded spirit, who can bear? So let's pray. So now, Lord, we ask for your help and your wisdom as we look into your precious word today, God. There are many wounded spirits all around us, broken hearts, heavy hearts, weighed down with many things, with sin and care and unbelief, as well as just worries and fears of the future. So, Lord, we pray that this would be a time where you would heal every wounded spirit Because it's a very important thing that this healing take place. So we look to you now for your help and your wisdom and your Holy Spirit to move. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you could follow right along with the message on page 10, and that will engage you a whole lot more as I speak this message today. So the pandemic that we have all experienced and lived through has triggered an explosion of broken hearts. 
wounded spirits all around us. Do you know who has been most afflicted regarding depression and being wounded in their spirits through this pandemic? It is young people, as well as women, have been the hardest hit by this pandemic in relationship to to their spirit. And there needs to be a lot of healing in these days. And thank God, Jesus Christ is a healer. He comes with healing in His wings. And He can bear us along all of the troubles and trials of life. So, there has been an explosion of crushed spirits. And there's many reasons for this. This isn't all of them. This is some of them. I just put them here, listed a few. And if you're taking notes, there are a few blanks here in your notes that you could fill in. But of course, if you've lost a loved one through this time, there's grief. Some have lost their jobs, causing financial troubles through this pandemic. And even some will not and do not believe that they should get the vaccination. And they have perfect right not to get the vaccination if that's their desire. We hear it for years, the abortion crowd, what's their mantra? My body, my choice. But when it comes to the vaccination, all of a sudden they didn't want to say that. But this is really our choice, I believe. That's my position. Some people, many Christians, have lost their job creating financial problems because they have not gotten the vaccination. Others have, because they've been locked in their homes, have experienced abuse in their home. Abuse has skyrocketed, as well as drug and alcohol abuse has skyrocketed skyrocketed in this pandemic time. Rejection of other family members. And of course, with all the social distancing, you just put a mask on your face and right there it, it kind of can separate you from other people and it's harder to have interaction. It's harder to have social uh, interaction with people. And through this pandemic, with the... I mean, have you ever heard of that expression, social distancing, before? Had you ever heard of it, though, before this pandemic? I never heard of it. All of a sudden now, everybody knows social distancing and everything. Uh, So, it's created loneliness. Isolation creates loneliness. It's terrible. Many churches have closed through this. A lot of people, and thank God you're in church today. I really do. I appreciate that. And praise God for you to say, I'm going to come to the house of God. And for those who are on Zoom, I hope you're on Zoom because you're either providentially hindered from coming and you're on Zoom, or maybe you do have a a physical health problem, so you're on Zoom or watching online. But if you have health and strength, don't allow yourself to be caught up in the laziness of going to church. I believe some people aren't going to church just because they've gotten in the habit of of just going onto their computer in their pajamas and and clicking onto Zoom. Hey, get up and out out of the house. Come to the house of God. Amen? We can't live life on a computer. Isn't it amazing what they call Instagram and Facebook and on and on Twitter? They call it what? Social media. As if you, if you just engage in, in that, you're being a social person. I want to say this. If that's the extent or if that's the major part of your social interaction on those platforms, that is antisocial. That is not being a godly social person. I'm not saying it's wrong to be on, on those platforms. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if that's 
the main emphasis of your social interaction with people on YouTube and Twitter, <laughs> that's unsocial. We need to be connecting with people face to face. This is how God made us. To put us in families and put us in church and put us in a community with human government. And we have to relate to people face to face. That has gone away for many through this. And there's been a skyrocketing consequence of broken hearts, loneliness, fear, suffering, death, financial worries, and all these things, especially, as I said, affecting young people and women. There's been a pandemic of broken and wounded hearts. So I want us to look today at, at just a, th a few things about healing a wounded spirit. And I'm going to continue this message and share three final things. Very important next week is the continuation and the final part of this message. But we're going to get into five different points on the healing of the broken spirit. But we're only going to get to two of them today. And then we're going to get to three of them next week. But we're going to build up to that. And first make this point, we must understand the absolute importance of healing a wounded spirit. Why? Because this verse says so. Proverbs 18.14 says, The spirit of a man will bear his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? And what's the answer to that question? The implied answer to that question. Can you bear a wounded spirit? No. You have to heal that wounded spirit. It must be healed. A man can bear a broken bone. A, a man or a woman can be, can, can be sustained through physical sickness as long as they have a strong spirit. But once a wounded spirit becomes a crushing weight, an unbearable wound, it will lead to a loss of desire to even live. That's what he's saying here. What is the old saying? My, my parents used to say, when you say, oh, my brother said this to me. And what, what, did, what did the parents always say? Don't worry about it. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never... You've heard that. But words will never hurt you. But the reality is, is a broken spirit is far worse than a broken bone. Based on this verse we're looking at, Proverbs 18, verse 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. A broken bone or sickness can be sustained with a strong spirit. But a wounded spirit, a wounded spirit becomes like a crushing weight on a person's being. It's a crushing weight. It's a heavy weight. And it will lead them to a loss of desire even to live. When the spirit is gone, the person is as good as dead. When your spirit is broken, you won't want to finish the course. You want to give up. You want to quit. You're going to be defeated without a strong spirit. You're not going to make it. You have to have a strong spirit. Now, do you remember this dear sister in our church? The great Stephanie Marnock. If there was ever, I mean, throughout my life, I've never known anyone that has endured such physical infirmity. Broken bones and all kinds of infirmity. But she had a spirit in her that allowed her to just endure and still serve God and not live a complaining and empty life, but filled with the Spirit of God. Stephanie Marna. She had lupus. 
Many trials that came forth out of that lupus. Broken bones. Facial cancer. Where half of her face was basically removed. Amputations of limbs. She had all of this. But yet she endured. And now, thank God, she's with the Lord. So she, Stephanie Marnock is a great illustration of the spirit of a man sustaining their infirmity. It is absolutely important that we heal a wounded spirit because you'll wear it on your face if you don't. Heart sorrows chisel their features on the face. A broken spirit will... You will wear that broken spirit on your countenance, on your face. It says in Proverbs 15, 13, and here's we're going to refer back to these verses, but look at Proverbs 15, 13. It says, again, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. And that's what we're after here in this message. Healing a wounded spirit in order to have what? A merry heart. We'll get to that. We need a merry heart. We need a joyful heart. A rejoicing in our heart. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. So the sorrow of heart removes the cheerful countenance. And then we see as well in the third main verse that we read this morning in Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart again, we see that expression, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. It's better than, it's better than going to the psychiatrist. You know, a lot of people when they get depressed, the first step they make is toward a psychiatrist. Go to the doctor if you have a physical problem. But when you have a spiritual problem, go to the King of Kings, Jesus. Let His blood cleanse you from your sin. Let His Spirit fill you and give you joy and peace. The, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. This is what we need. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. But a broken spirit, notice what he says, drieth the bones. So when you have a broken spirit, you wear it on your face, but you feel it in your bones. Remember David when he sinned, committing adultery? His bones roared in him. And he also said a similar thing. He said that his bones were dried up. Now, what does that mean? Well, think about what your bones do. Your bones do so many things to bring health to your body. Look it up. But I'll tell you the, perhaps the number one thing your bones do that are absolutely essential to your health is they develop or manufacture the blood cells for your body in the bone marrow. And so the life of our flesh is in the blood. And what makes the blood? The bones. So when the bones dry up, it doesn't, the idea is you're not healthy in manufacturing the, the amount of blood you need, and then you lose physical energy as well. So, again, the proverb says here that in Proverbs 17 22, a broken spirit, a broken spirit drieth the bones. So the question is, Does your spirit, what's going on inside of you, affect your physical body? Yes. Now, so a person could then have a physical problem and think, oh, i got to go to the doctor. And he could could give you drugs. But that's like putting a band-aid over a broken bone. 
That's like putting a little band-aid over an oozing ulcer sore. The problem is inside. The problem is where? It's in the spirit. And in our culture that has become so secular and antichrist is everybody is now viewing the psychiatrist as almost as the ultimate professional for the soul problem. No, they're not the professional of the soul problem. The Bible is the best, and I'll use this term respectfully, the, the best psychology book in the universe. Psychology being the study of the soul. If you want to really understand who you are and the study of the soul, look into the Bible. And these Proverbs are so rich as well. It is absolutely important that we heal our spirit. Paul lived out the importance of not having a wounded spirit. Just think of Paul in that Philippian jail. You know the story, right? He had been beaten. He had been whipped. He was put into solitary confinement. I mean, it was, it was a dark dungeon. There weren't proper sanitation. There was not proper sanitation. He could not even relieve himself in, in a proper way. It, this was in a solitary confinement. And he was, he was probably, his, his body was full of infection. Yet, what was he doing in that prison? He was singing and praising God and rejoicing. So Paul shows us that when your spirit is strong, you can endure the very worst physical situation that you're in. When your spirit is strong. And then he rejoiced. And souls were saved because of his joy in that dark place. May God help us to have a spirit like the Apostle Paul had. So quickly, what is a wounded spirit? We just mentioned the absolute importance of healing a wounded spirit. What is a wounded spirit? And so I want to look at these few verses to kind of give an illustration of what a wounded spirit is like. So first of all, we could say that a, a wounded spirit is, is like your spirit is smashed to pieces. So here's a picture of, of you know, a, pot, of a pottery that's smashed. And that's really what a wounded spirit is. It's a, it's a spirit that is just smashed to pieces. And, and that's the idea of these three main verses that we've looked at. A wounded spirit. The spirit is broken. A broken spirit is in those three verses. And that's the idea. So a wounded spirit is smashed, crushed, wounded, smashed to pieces. Even as Jesus was being Attempted to be crushed through temptation. Maybe you're going through a lot of temptation. And maybe you fall into that temptation. And that will crush you. Sin will crush you. Sin will devastate you. Lying and cheating and adultery and fornication and stealing and cursing. It will destroy your spirit. It will crush you. Stand strong like Jesus against the temptations of Satan by the power of the Word of God. A wounded spirit is smashed to pieces. A wounded spirit is smashed sometimes by the trials of life, such as divorce. That can be very crushing to a person's spirit. When somebody leaves you that you have stated your vows together, a wounded spirit, maybe it's a situation, a trial that you're going through, or maybe if you're fired from a job that you love 
that could really hurt your spirit. If all of a sudden one day you walk in and they ask for your key card and, and turn in your keys or whatever, and, and they, they ask you to leave the building immediately, that could be very crushing. A wounded spirit is smashed to pieces. Are you smashed to pieces? Are, are you smashed with guilt today? Do you feel really heavy laden and burdened down with the guilt of sin? Guilt can crush your spirit. And there is healing from that by the power of Jesus Christ. When we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. A wounded spirit is weighed down by fear. Now notice this verse in Proverbs 12.25. We read it earlier. Go back to it in your notes though. Proverbs 12.25. What does it say? It says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. And the word heaviness, where it's used elsewhere in the Old Testament, it often signifies anxiety, fear, carefulness. And so that's why I said a wounded spirit is weighed down in fear. Because fear can weigh you down. When you're afraid of something, if you're, you, you, you're going out into the day and something's going to happen and you're afraid to face that person, afraid to, to, to do that task or whatever it is, it could weigh you down. It could bow you down. It could bend you. It can knock you down. It can destabilize your core. It will sabotage your behavior. Fear is sabotaging. Fear is destabilizing. It weighs you down. Another verse here that we could look at about what is a wounded spirit. It's smashed to pieces. It's weighed down. But it's, it's sick. It's, and I use the word crippled. In this verse, Proverbs 13.12 uses the word sick. Can you read that verse again with me? It says, hope deferred. It's maketh. I have a misspelling there. It's not taketh. It should be maketh. The heart sick. Hope deferred. Now, deferred means delayed or postponed. So when you hope for something, oh, I, I hope this happens today, and it doesn't, or, and it doesn't the next day, and it doesn't the next day, and then it, it seems like, wow, it's never going to happen. Hope deferred can make the heart sick. It can cripple you with disappointment. It's like having a disabled heart, a sick spirit. I knew a, I knew a, a, a man, a very nice man. When he was young, he was pushed to be a Major League Baseball player by his father. He was groomed to play Major League Baseball. And he was drafted, and he entered into the minor leagues, but he never made it to the Major Leagues. And he came to our church, and he was discouraged, even though it had happened a number of years earlier, but he was still feeling the, the disappointment of never making it to the major leagues. And almost that failure almost became like his identity, that he failed. And a lot of 30-year-old young people maybe experience a disappointment like that, and by the time they're 30 years old, they think they're a failure in life. And they're identified by that failure. I failed. Oh no. Come to Jesus. He can make you new. You can find your ultimate purpose in Him. You haven't failed. 
Perhaps that failure is what caused you to see your need for the Lord Jesus Christ as in the life of that young man. And thank God, he did come to know the Lord and and seek the Lord and follow the Lord and, and overcome some of that sense of disappointment and that wounded spirit that he had. Jesus Christ can do it. The fourth thing, as I think about a wounded spirit, and this is very graphic, but the word in our verse, if you look at the verse, it's Proverbs 15.4. Look at that verse, Proverbs 15.4. It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. So here it's talking about our speech. But perverseness therein, that is perverseness or crookedness or a twisting in our speech. So really, this verse is talking about our speech. Perverseness in our speech. But here's what I really want to get at this verse. And he says, perverseness is a breach in the spirit. And that word breach means a crushing, a devastation, a destruction. There's a destruction in the spirit. And we're going to look at these verses later when we get to the real healing aspect as well, because each one, I believe, has a key for healing. But right now, I'm just getting to the, I'm just trying to define what is a wounded spirit. A wounded spirit is smashed to pieces. It's, it's literally weighed down in fear. It's crippled with disappointment. And here, it's destroyed like, like an earthquake. So a wounded spirit is like an earthquake going on inside your soul. Have you ever seen the devastation of, a, of an earthquake? Or you can even think of a hurricane, of some kind of great devastation like that, and, the, and the, the disaster it brings about? That's what a wounded spirit does inside of you. It destroys everything in its path, and it, it breaks everything up. Now, here's just a picture of, of an earthquake. Can you imagine an earthquake? The shaking of the earth. Everything then breaking to pieces. And when your soul is wounded and broken, it's like a shaking and breaking of of things. And everything's being rearranged and broken in the process. And this word breach in that verse, a breach in the spirit, a devastation of the spirit, is used in Psalm 60 and verse 2 to describe an earthquake. In Psalm 60, verse 2, he says, Thou hast made the earth to tremble. Thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. So he's saying that God brought about this earthquake and he's praying for the healing of it. And, and, but, but this same word is used in relationship to our inner man. Like an earthquake of the soul. And I believe we can pray, Lord, heal the breaches, heal the destruction, heal the shattered heart, heal the hurt, Lord Jesus Christ. Look in Isaiah, please, chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Healing the wounded spirit. We talked about the absolute importance and we talked about the healing. Now, now I want to focus in on the healing of a wounded spirit. And in Isaiah chapter 61, the prophet speaking 
of the Messiah to come. Because Jesus will speak these very words in His first public sermon in Luke chapter 4, but we'll read it in Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus read these words. Think about this. Jesus read from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah and said, Isaiah was talking about me and I am here to fulfill this. No one else could say that truthfully. But Jesus said it and He said it truthfully. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the what? Brokenhearted. That's the verse. That's the word we're talking about today. The wounded spirit. The broken heart. Jesus Christ came to bind up the broken heart and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus Christ came to do all that. He came with good news, good tidings. That good tidings means gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was buried and He rose again. And that's the very heart of how we're healed in our, in our wounded spirit by the gospel that we're loved by God and we can be forgiven by God. We don't have to live with the guilt of, this, uh, of sin. We can be made new. We can receive a new heart. Are you, tr- are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? Have you been born again? Pastor Carmine shared about that in our Scripture memory verse. Everyone that loveth is born of God. If, we need to be born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We all must come to that place in our spiritual lives where we know that we're sinners and because of our sin we're bound for hell. And only Jesus Christ paid that price of hell for us by dying on the cross for our sin. Thank God He rose again. He's alive. You can call upon Him. He will receive you. He will give you His righteousness. You can enter heaven through Jesus Christ. You can't get to heaven on the coattails of your mom or dad. But you can get to heaven through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is the way to heaven. He is the truth. He is the life. And salvation does heal a wounded spirit. But let's go back to Proverbs. And as we close today, we're going to look at just two points here on the healing of a wounded spirit. The healing of a wounded spirit. Go to Proverbs 15.15. This is what God wants for all of us. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 15. And you could have this today. You could have the joy of the Lord. You could have this healing we're talking about. You could have it today. This is not something that, you know, well, you have to take this medicine for for a a month and then you'll feel better afterwards. Actually, you you could begin to have this healing today. But Proverbs 15, 15, can you read it with me? It says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. A merry heart is what we need. To heal this wounded spirit. And the other verses that we read earlier, if you look up on the the sheet on page 9 in your notes, and we see the merry heart in 1515, but we also see it in 1513 
A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. And chapter 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like, like a medicine. And so this is what we need. We need to have this merry heart. And Jesus is the one who comes with healing. He's the one who can bring us this merry heart. So two, two main things as we talk about the healing of a wounded spirit. We must have a merry heart. How do we have this merry heart? Oh, by the way, that was a nice meal we had. A continual feast. A merry heart is a continual feast. That was the birthday celebration we had for Tina and Jackie and Nana's mom, May. Two things. Number one, we have to reject the notion that our physical circumstances must change. A merry heart is a continual feast. So if we have a merry heart today, we can have the healing today. We need the merry heart. We need the heart of cleansing. We need the heart filled with the Holy Spirit. We must reject the notion, therefore, that our physical circumstances must change before we have a merry heart. These verses and throughout God's Word, physical health, physical health, financial wealth, is not the key to a merry heart. It's not the key. So in other words, you may be sick and have a merry heart. You may still be financially poor. You could have a merry heart. You do not have to wait for your circumstances to change in order to have a merry heart. Amen? Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, I'm asking you to believe that right now. We must reject when and then kind of thinking. In other words, when I get that job, then I can have a merry heart. No, you can have a merry heart before you. You can have a merry heart in the process of getting that job. And then you can have a merry heart if you never even get that job. Because your merry heart is not bound to that job. Well, when I get married, because I really have to get married, then I'll have a merry heart. Well, then why are so many people getting divorced? <laughs> Marriage isn't the cure to a merry heart. It will just open up many more challenges for you to face. Those challenges are good, and you will grow in them. But you could have joy as a single person, just as you ought to have joy as a married person. A lot of people say, when I get divorced, then I'll have a merry heart. No, you won't. That's not the key to a merry heart. And so any kind of when and then thinking, I'm saying, reject that. Why? Because of what Jesus said. In the, in the Beatitudes, look at, look at Matthew chapter 5, if you could go there quick. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talked about happiness there. And there's nothing about our physical circumstances, it's all about our attitudes. That's why they're called the Beatitudes. We have to have the right attitudes. Happiness is not based on what's happening around you, it's what's happening inside of you. It's your attitude. So Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You have to have a humble heart to be happy. Blessed means happy. You want to be happy? Have a heart that's humble. Blessed are they that mourn. So when you sin, confess that sin and mourn over that sin. 
That's how to be happy and repent of that sin. Blessed are the meek. Meekness is really that, that sense of strength and self-control. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Happy. You want to be happy? Hunger for God. Blessed are the merciful. Happy are the ones who are merciful and, and, and kind. And so forth. So, you see, there's nothing there about our physical circumstances. We must reject the notion that physical circumstances must change before we can be happy. I mentioned Paul earlier in jail. Paul did not say, I would love to sing in jail, but I'll, I can't sing here. I'm gonna, I'll sing when I get out of jail. If he did that, the jailer wouldn't have been saved, perhaps. We need to rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And, and again, I say rejoice. I mean, we have to tell ourselves that. And we have to ask God for the power of the Holy Spirit to do that because this is not natural. This is Christian living. Now, the world says, when this happens, then you can be happy. I mean, the world is telling us now, the transgender people crowd, they're saying, well, these young people... They are born with a, a male, but they believe that they're actually a female. So when they're a female, they can be happy. They're waiting to transition to another gender. That's not, not going to make anybody happy. You know, a, lot, a number of people are, are, are actually miserable in that transgender change that they made. And some have switched back. Thank God for that. But this is a huge problem in our culture. People believe they have to change their gender to find their happiness. Addicts believe they have to have the thing they're addicted to in order to be happy. What do you need to be happy? Who do you need to be happy? Jesus Christ. So we must reject the notion that our physical circumstances must change before we can be happy. And the second thing that I want to say is, and I'm going to probe down on this a little bit, is we must desire in your heart, you must desire in your heart what can never be lost. You must desire in your heart, ultimately, what can never be lost. That's how to be happy. Because if what... You have can never be lost. You, you, nothing can take your happiness. So you must desire and have in your heart what can never be lost. And I'm taking this from, go back to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. And notice this verse, what he says here. He says, hope deferred or postponed or delayed makes the heart sick. But when, and notice what are the next two words, the desire cometh. It is a tree of life. Now, what is the tree of life? Where's the tree of life? Where was that? Remember? It was in the Garden of Eden. So he's saying, when you, when you experience the desire of your soul, you will experience the tree of life. You will experience fullness, satisfaction, happiness. So what's the point? You must desire what can never ultimately be lost. Now, I have a picture here. Who is that a picture of? You remember? Jesus and who is and Mary and what did she choose to do? She sat at the feet of Jesus. 
Now Martha, on the other hand, was, when Mary stops doing that and helps serve me, then I'll be happy. Jesus said, no, Martha, you got it backwards. Martha had that when and then thinking. And Jesus said this about Mary. He said, Mary hath chosen the best part, which shall not be taken away from her. So I say, choose the best. Something that no one can take away. And then you'll always be happy and your joy will be in the Lord. Desire in your heart what can never be taken away, what can never be lost. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. When the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So the point is, if, if, hope, if, if hope deferred makes the heart sick, that's true. Don't hope for something that you can't have. All the time. Make your ultimate hope what you can always have, what you can never lose. Doesn't that make sense? Now, what is that, though? So I put it this way. I say this, you have to rearrange your desires, maybe. Because maybe some of you are like, well, but i I got to get this video game. i got to buy that video game. I, or i I got to get the new iPhone that's coming out. Or I, my computer's broken and I can't be happy until I get that, that new computer. Or whatever it is. There's a, a thousand things like that we could go through. But if we say, my main desire is God Himself. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. I want that my desire, the desire of my soul. As, as this verse says, the desire cometh as a tree of life. So, The desire of my soul is to know the Lord and have a personal relationship with Him. To walk with Him, to talk with with Jesus Christ who is alive from the dead. And I desire nothing except Him. You say, well, wait a minute. You have to have desire other things. Is it wrong to desire other things? No. Is it wrong to desire to get married? Absolutely not. God made us for that, many for that desire. And most people will get married. Well, did God make you to want to get a job and to, to make money to, to provide? Yes. Okay, so we have these desires. But these desires, all these other desires are secondary and must be for His glory. So that if you get them, it will be for His glory. If God sees, not, if he sees fit not to give them to you, then it's for, your glo- for God's glory for you not to have those things. You have to rest in the Lord and trust in the Lord. So desire nothing except God and ultimately what is for His glory. Because we all have desires and goals, okay, right? We all, we all have desires and goals, correct? And we seldom get what we desire and long for all at once. Sometimes it takes years. You might say, I want to become a doctor. So you have to go through many years of education. So it takes a long time of, of work and study and debt. <laughs> and you have to wait. And we hate to wait. So we do have goals, but we have to entrust all of our goals to the glory of God. To the glory of God. Because if you don't, you'll set yourself up for failure and a broken heart. Because, as the proverb says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. So, in other words, what if, what if your hope is, I, I hope for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I, I just have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But what if you never get one? 
you're going you're gonna to have a, a wounded heart. You're going you're gonna to be sick in your soul. Or what if you, what if you say, I want to I get married to that girlfriend. But what if she leaves you? She may. You may lose her. So don't make those things your foundational hope. A lot of people say, well, I have to travel. I have to travel. I have to go to that place. And, and if I could just go to that place, I will just, I'll be on cloud nine. I will, I will have everything. And then I can be happy. But what if you never make it to that? You're putting your hope in that place? Put your hope in Jesus. Amen. And put your hope in going to heaven. And I know when we're in heaven, we're going to be able to see the whole world, the whole universe. I, I believe that. Actually. So we must foundationally desire God Himself and what is for His glory. So look at this verse. This verse I love. It says, can you read it with me? It says, Yea, in the way of Thy judgments, O Lord, the desire of our soul is to Thy name and to the remembrance of Thee. Stop right there. What's the desire of our soul? The, the desire of our soul is to His name. His name is God Himself, His character, His strength. And then, okay, please read verse 9. This is Isaiah 26, by the way. Isaiah 26, verse 9. With my soul have I desired Thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek Thee early. For when Thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. I love that. Isaiah is saying, Lord, the desire of my soul is to Your name, to remember You. And I've desired You in the night and I seek You in the morning. So morning and evening and at noon will I pray. What did the psalmist say? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate. What did, what did the psalmist say? This one thing have I sought after. Psalm 27.4 to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. We've got to make God the delight and the desire of our soul. There's another verse that I love. Can you go to 2 Chronicles? Uh, no, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 23. I love this verse. I don't know if you know it or have heard of it. Probably it's not like a common verse that we read a lot. But this is David, some of the last words of, of King David, and what made him a man after God's own heart really is a verse like this. Is David basically says here, you know, I haven't attained all that I wanted to attain in this life, but he just committed everything to God. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 5, it says, Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things. An everlasting covenant. What's the everlasting covenant? And who, who fulfills the everlasting covenant? Jesus Christ. The blood that He shed. Hebrews chapter 13. The last chapter of Hebrews talks about that, that, that Jesus Christ and the blood of the everlasting covenant. And of course, God made David a part of that everlasting covenant and that the Messiah would be born from David. He says... He has made with me an everlasting covenant. The Messiah would, would be, be a son of David, ordered in all things, and sure. And notice what David says now. This is the part I love. He says, For this is all my salvation. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ and nothing in our good works, nothing good that we have done. All in Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done. 
We trust in Him. And that's what the proverb says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. That's Old Testament language for saying, for by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Trust in the Lord. This is all my salvation. And then he says, and all my desire, although he maketh it not to grow. In other words, I'm not all that I should be and I'm not all that I want to be. But still, God's salvation, God Himself, is all my desire. Because He is all my salvation. So make God the desire of your soul. And when that is the case, you will only desire what is for His glory in your life. Make God the desire of your soul. Does that make sense? I believe this will bring healing to your heart. If you make the desire of your soul all these other things, and when you don't get them, your heart's going to be crushed and broken. So, don't make your ultimate desire all those other things. Make your ultimate desire Jesus Christ. To seek Him, to love Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to walk with Him, to serve Him. Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's a person. He's alive. You can know Him. He can know you. He walks with you. He talks with you. Make Him the desire of your soul. And then life will be a merry feast. It will be a tree of life. But when you make all these other things the main desire, your soul and spirit will be crushed because when you don't attain those things that you want, as it says in the verse, hope deferred maketh the heart think. Uh, Maketh the heart sick. So if, you tru- if what you trust can never be lost, you have found the tree of life and only the Lord fits this category. So these are two of the important things on healing a broken spirit. And I've said that one, we must reject the notion that our physical circumstances must change before we can have the joy and the healing of our heart. And the second thing I said is we must desire in our heart what can never be lost. Now next week I'm going to continue and I'll I'll give three very important points. I hope that you'll join with us and, and come and hear these things. And may God bring healing and joy and peace to all of our hearts and lives. Let's stand together as we pray. Let's pray. Let's just bow our heads. Close our eyes. Let me ask you this question today. What is your heart set on? I say fix your heart on God. May He be the desire of your heart and soul. Now, in practice, that's going to mean you're going to open up the Bible and read the Bible And when you read something, you say, I don't understand that. Then you're going to pray and say, Lord, help me understand this. I want to know you. I want to know what your word says. You're going to begin talking to the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first, who's the first person you talk to? You know, this morning I woke up, I had consciousness and I had a burden on my heart about something. And I just asked God to meet that need.
and answer a particular prayer. And the conversation of the day began. And that's a merry feast to be praying without ceasing. For God to speak to your heart, when God speaks to you, God wants to speak to each of us face to face. Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I asked you earlier in this series this question. What do you believe will give you ultimate satisfaction? What do you believe will give you ultimate satisfaction, ultimate happiness, ultimate joy? In your heart, what do you actually believe? I said that the way you answer that question is critical to living a truly satisfied life. Because we must say, I believe in order to have ultimate satisfaction, I need to know I'm saved and I need to be walking with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And to seek Him through His Word and to seek Him in prayer. And then I go after everything else with Him. That college education, that marriage, that job, that apartment you want to rent, everything else that I desire, I go after it with Him. I go after it for His glory, not for me. And I'm trusting in Him that He will lead me, He will provide, He will do a great work. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I thank God for Jesus Christ who has healed my wounded spirit. And I am seeking Him. He is the desire of my heart and of my life. And I desire Him because He will never be lost. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will always be with me. And that's the desire. He is the desire of your heart. The one you can never lose and who will never leave you. Can I see your hand today? Amen. Just put it up. And if you came in here not having Him as your main desire, right now just say, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief, thinking I thought something had to change before I could be truly joyful and fulfilled in this life. But I can have Jesus and be complete. You are complete in Him. That's the promise. So say thank You, Lord, that in Jesus Christ I am complete. That in Jesus Christ I can do all things. Through Him, we can do all things. Without Him, we can do nothing. Take your pick. Hallelujah. You may put your hands down. Is there anyone here today who would say, Pastor Matt, I came in here not knowing whether I would go to heaven or not, but I want to know how I can go to heaven through Jesus Christ. Would you please pray for me, Pastor, that I could come to that place of full assurance, of full assurance and peace, that I am His and He is mine, that I'm, I'm born again and on my way to heaven through Jesus. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? You're not sure, but you'd like to be sure. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? Can I pray for you today? Thank you, Lord, now for your love. Continue to bless us all with the power of your love and, and the power of your joy.
power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.